You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Last week, we um, spent most of the time introducing this marvelous, marvelous prayer in John chapter 17. Uh, Some theologians have said there's over 600 prayers in the Bible, written prayers in the Bible, but none are as great as the prayer found in John chapter 17. It is the very prayer of Jesus Christ, and he invites us into his prayer closet, if you will, and he allows us to hear how Jesus prays for us. And I just want to remind you, Jesus is still praying for us, but now he's not walking this earth. He is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. Now think about it. We have an opportunity to hear this morning how Jesus is praying for us at this very moment, on the throne of God. What a privilege to be able to have this prayer. I am so thankful that God has has given us this prayer in His Holy Word. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, is where we will spend our time this morning. I believe last week we only got to verse 1, so I'll try to do a little better this week and go uh, 2 through 8. But let's, uh, let's start in verse 1. Verse 1, John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these things, basically from verses thir- or chapter 13 through uh, the end of chapter 16. Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come, speaking of his crucifixion. He knows that his, his arrest and his, his crucifixion is just around the corner, just hours away, just moments away. Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. <clears throat> Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you, since you gave him authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, Jesus says, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. The only place in Scripture where Jesus references himself as Jesus Christ uh, speaks in the third person. Verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. Look at verse 6. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, They know that everything you have given is from you because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. Father, speak to us this morning through your holy word. Oh God, would you you do by the power of the Holy Spirit what only you can do? God, this is one message going out to 100 plus people hundred different issues, a hundred different burdens, a hundred different joys. God, your message, powered by the Holy Spirit, can speak 
every single one. God, I pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be receptive uh, to your message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Through Jesus' prayer, it has been my prayer this week that through Jesus' prayer, that your reverence and awe for Jesus would increase. And Jesus' prayer, in our portion this morning, there's no commands for us to follow. So when you leave this morning, you won't have a step one, two, three to do, per se, that comes right out of the text. There's not, a, there's not any commands for us to follow. This is, this is us being invited into the prayer room of Jesus. And as we study Jesus' prayer, it's my prayer that our reverence for him, our awe for him, which is literally our, our fear, not, not in a coward way, but a, a reverence for him would grow. It's my prayer that your love for Christ would, would, would deepen and that your faith in his plan for you would grow deeper. That's my prayer as we, as we dig in to Jesus' prayer. The first point I want you to notice is in the, in the first two verses, Jesus' prayer reveals the purpose of his mission. Now, if you were here last week, and we, we closed with Jesus' prayer reveals his, his purpose, and, and, and in verse 1, it carries over, his purpose carries over into verse 2, and so I'm just going to follow along with that. Jesus' prayer reveals the purpose of his mission. Point number one. Look again with me in verse 1. Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. Now watch, here's the purpose. So that your Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Now I want you to notice this. Jesus was sent from God, I'm sorry, from heaven, by God, and was given authority to give eternal life to everyone who would believe in him. Jesus' prayer is much more than bless me and glorify me. But I want you to notice, it's not any less than that. It's much, much more than, than bless me, glorify me, but it's not any less than that at all. Jesus' prayer is this. It's glorify me, God, Jesus is saying, so that I can glorify you by giving eternal life to others. This is Jesus' grand purpose, to glorify God by the means of giving eternal life to others. That's Jesus' grand purpose, to glorify God by giving eternal life to all who believe. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to see something in this text this morning. Not only does your salvation 
secure your place in heaven and remove your sin that will send you to a place called hell. Not only does your salvation do that, but I want you to know something. Your salvation is a trophy of God's grace. How do I get that? What do you mean my salvation is a trophy of God's grace? Turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. If you didn't bring your Bible, follow along with me on the, on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2. I absolutely love Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see how not only is your salvation a gift of salvation, but it is a gift from Jesus to God. Your salvation is a, is a gift from Jesus to God. You are a trophy of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, watch with me. It says this, but God. I, I, I preached from this text yesterday at our Good News Clothes Closet. And, I, I, and I, I love those two words. But God, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you, anytime you find in Scripture those two words, know that something good is about to happen. But God, here's what Paul has said to, to the Ephesians. You were dead. God's wrath was on you. But God, now watch what he says, who is rich in mercy, speaking of God, because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with Christ. You were dead. God's wrath was on you. But because of God, you have been made alive with Christ. Even though you were dead in your trespasses, you are saved by grace. You were dead. God's wrath was on you. But God raised you up to life by his grace. Let me say it this way. Listen, I was dead. When I was 10 years old, I gave my life to Christ. But before I gave my life to Christ, listen, I was dead living for myself. But here's what happened. Jesus gave me life so that I could die to myself. Do you follow that? I was dead living for myself, but then I gave myself, give my life to Christ, and Christ made me alive so that I could die to myself. Follow along with me in verse 6. He says this, not only did he make us alive with Christ, verse 6, he also raised us up with who? Christ, with Jesus. He also seated us with him. So there's three things there. We've been made alive with Christ. We have been raised up with him. We are seated with him. Where at? In the heavens. In Christ Jesus. Here, here's the trophy part. You ready? Verse 7. So that. Here's the purpose. Why? Why did God pour out his grace on us, remove his wrath from us, give us life, seat, seat us with Christ in heaven? Why did he do that? Verse 7 tells us. So that in the coming ages, God, that he there, that pronoun is God. So that God might display. So that God might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Listen, you are a trophy of God's grace. Don't miss this. And this is revealed in Jesus' prayer. 
Jesus is saying, oh, glorify me. We see that in his purpose, glorify me, God, so that I can glorify you by giving eternal life to those you have given me. And God is saying, listen, those are my trophies. They're trophies of my grace. Maybe you don't feel like a trophy this morning. You didn't get near as excited about that as I thought you would. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you're a trophy of God's grace. God's grace has been poured out on you. And God's, God, listen, you're a child of God. Have you ever met a grandparent who has pictures of their grandchild and they don't show anybody? No. Listen, they can have cake smeared all over their face. They can have a stinky, dirty diaper. And you know what the grandparent is saying? Look at my beautiful grandchild. They're a trophy. They want to display them. They, they love them. And I don't, want you to, I don't want you to miss this. Here's Jesus' prayer. I want you to hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying this. Glorify me, God, so that I can bring you trophies. You ever had anybody pray for you? Like in your presence come to you and pray specifically for you, mentioning your name. It's humbling. Sometimes you can get emotional when somebody prays for you by now. I want you to hear Jesus praying for you. Praying for others. He's saying the purpose, the purpose of my mission is to bring trophies to you. Glorify me so that I may glorify you. Let me take this just a little step farther. When you and I know our purpose, we can pray the same prayer. Glorify me so that I can glorify you with my purpose. We can say, we can pray the same prayer. Why? Because the intent is not for us, it's for, it's for God. Jesus is not saying glorifying me so that I can get away from the cross. He's not saying glorify me so I can have this mass following of people. No, no, no. He's saying glorify me so that I can glorify you with my purpose, which is bringing you trophies. We can pray the same prayer. So, so what is our, what is our purpose, right? What is our purpose? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 reveals our purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Write this down in the margin of your Bible and follow along with me on the screen. Listen to what, listen to what God tells us through His Word. This is our pur- purpose. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. There's our purpose. Do everything you do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do your job for the glory of God. Do your schoolwork, student, for the glory of God. Do your homework for the glory. It's possible, I promise you. You can do it for the 
glory of God. Love your spouse to the glory of God. Parents, love your children to the glory of God. Children, love your parents to the glory of God. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 39 also reveals our purpose. What Matthew is saying, God is speaking through. Matthew, listen to what he says in verse 36. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Jesus says to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've seen this throughout many scriptures that this is our purpose for us to love God, to grow in our love for Him. And listen, we can't grow in our love for Him if we're not growing in our knowledge of Him. Listen, we can pray this same prayer. Not only can you pray this same prayer, but listen, our church can pray this same prayer. Oh God, glorify First Baptist Church Farwell so that First Baptist Church Farwell can glorify you. You can pray this same prayer. You can pray the same prayer over your, over your business. Why? So your business can, can, can be the largest business alone? No. But so that your business can glorify God. You can pray this prayer over your marriage relationship. Oh God, glorify my marriage. Why? So that my marriage will glorify you. You can pray this prayer over your children. Oh God, glorify my children. Why? So that my children would glorify you. Powerful prayer. In this prayer, Jesus reveals the purpose of his mission. Oh, Jesus says, Glorify me so that I may glorify you. Second observation I want you to see is in verse 3. Jesus defines the mission. Verse 3, look, look with me, verse 3. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is what Jesus says. This is eternal life. That they, who is the they? All flesh. God had given Jesus authority over all flesh. So here he says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. Notice Jesus says here, the only true God. Jesus is, is, is living, he is, he is ministering in, he is living his life through a, a pluralistic uh, uh, culture of God. Many, many, many gods. Not much different than it is today. Listen, in our day today, in an age of cultural Christianity, living in a geographical area called the Bible Belt, where God, guns, and glory have equal space on the coffee table and time. In an era of easy believism, Jesus' definition of eternal life is critical for us to understand. It is of utmost importance for us to understand what Jesus means when he says eternal life. Look again, he says this is eternal life. He defines it for us. That they may know you. That word know is a relational, experiential knowledge. It is not, not a head knowledge alone. There's, there, there's that, that is there, but it is a relational, 
experiential knowledge, not just an intellectual knowledge. Listen, you can know of God and not be changed one bit by that knowledge. It happens every Sunday. Every Sunday we, we teach about God and people walk out not changed one bit. You can grow in your intellectual knowledge of God. Listen, you cannot know of God relationally and not be changed by that knowledge. Let me say it again. You cannot relationally, experientially know God and not be changed by that knowledge. When I was saved 10 years old, Something happened at 22. I know I was saved at 10, but there was a change in my life at 22 where, where, where there was a hunger for God's Word that I'd never had. I couldn't put God's Word down. Literally, hours and hours on end, God, God just created a hunger in me for His, His Word. I read and I read and I read and I listened and I listened and I listened. There was a hunger for God's Word. There was an insatiable hunger for holiness. Just this past week, a man was sitting in my office, and he said, after multiple decades of smoking, after Jesus became Lord of his life, he quit smoking cold turkey. Now listen, don't miss the point. Smoking won't send you to hell. But God changes your desire. God changes our our passions. Listen, relational knowledge of God is constantly shaping our desires, is constantly shaping our wants, shaping our passions, and it is clarifying our priorities. Jesus says this is eternal life, that they relationally, that, that close communion, relational knowledge of you, not just a head knowledge, that they know you. And then he says, the only true God. He qualifies it. The only true God. Listen. Relational knowledge of God is constantly exhuming and expelling idols out of our life. Let me say that again. There's idols in our life. They might not look like the idols that we read about in Scripture. We might, might not look like the idols that we might see idols in in, uh, in other parts, in third, third country worlds, but there's idols in our life, right? And a relational knowledge of God is constantly exhuming those and expelling those idols in my life. Listen, there is one God and one God alone. He is more than worthy of our daily worship. He is more than worthy, worthy of our daily attention. He is more than worthy of our daily time. He is more than worthy of our daily pursuits. He is more than worthy of any accolades that man can give us. Listen, we can give our life to a lot of things in this world, but nothing, hear me, nothing is worth more than giving your life. And we do that when there's this relational knowledge of God that is that is constantly bringing to the surface the idols in our life. And we're constantly dying to self, and we're, and we're, and we're giving ourselves to Christ. 
Mark chapter 8, verse 36. This is what this says. Let me read it to you. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What benefit? None whatsoever. Do you know the idols in your life? Do you know what the things are that you're pursuing more than you're pursuing God? Do you know the things that you're giving more time to, more energy to, more investment to? What does it gain? What does it benefit if you gain it all and in turn you lose? Listen, you've been given to Jesus. Think about that. You have been given to Jesus by God. The question remains, will you give yourself to Jesus as a gift? You've been given to Jesus by God. But will you give yourself? Listen, He's the one true God. Jesus' prayer reveals the purpose of His mission. Oh, may we grow in awe of that mission. May we grow in awe of Jesus Christ because of His mission. Jesus' prayer defines His mission. And then third, Jesus' prayer reveals the completion of His mission. Look at verse 4 with me. Jesus' prayer reveals the completion of His mission. Verse 4, He says this, Jesus says, I have, speaking to God, I, I have glorified you on the earth by completing. This is the same word that Jesus uses on the cross when he says, it is finished. Tetelestize is the Greek word. It is the same word. Jesus is looking towards the cross and he says, my job is done. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And we see an example in verses 6 through 8. We see an example of Jesus' work. Follow along with me in verse 6. Look at what Jesus says. Still, in his prayer, I've revealed your name to the people, speaking to God. I've revealed your name, God, to the people that you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now watch the results. You ready? Here's the result. I've revealed your name. I've shared your word, and they've kept it. Now watch the results. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and they believe that I have been sent by you. You see an example of his completed mission right there. Listen, we can witness God's glory in creation. A lot of times we do. Living out here, we see some of the most beautiful sunrises and sunsets, right? A lot of times, right after a crazy storm, the the crazy windstorm, that that little windstorm we had the other day. Y'all remember that? That next morning, did any of you get up early enough to see the sunrise? I didn't. I just saw it on Facebook. I'll just be honest with you. It was gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. We can see God's glory in creation. But listen, nothing in all of creation comes even close to the glory that Jesus has given God. 
nothing. I mean, think about the beautiful things that we see in creation. The mountains, the sunrises, the sunsets, the rainbows, and on and on and on and on and go goes. Nothing can give the glory like Jesus did to God. Jesus glorified God by his sinless sinless. What a marvelous, marvelous glory that was. He glorified God by his miracles. All the different miracles pointed to God. He glorified God by his words. He glorified God by constantly pointing to him and giving him praise. But the greatest glory of all was Jesus' willingness to go to the cross, to die for you and I. For the sinless, spotless Lamb to take on the sins of the world to give trophies back to God. Greatest act of glory that can ever be witnessed. Oh, may our love for Jesus, may our faith in Jesus, Jesus' plan for us. Listen, Jesus' prayer reveals the purpose of his mission. His prayer defines his mission. His prayer reveals the completion of his mission. And then let me close with this. Jesus' prayer reveals the reverence, the awe, if you will, that he deserves. John chapter 17, verse 5. It's hard for us to wrap our mind. The reality of the Trinity is beyond explanation. If, if the Holy, and Spirit, Holy Spirit inspired words of the disciple John in John chapter 17, verse 1 through 4. John says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with what was God. He was with God in the beginning. If that's not enough, point to the Trinity, and it should. But if it's not, let's listen to Jesus' own words tell us that he is the second member of the Trinity. Listen to what he says, verse 5. Now, now that I have completed my mission, now that the hour has come, here's what he says, Father. Glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. What's Jesus talking about? He's like, let's go back before there was light, before there was a Genesis week, before all of that. Glorify me with that glory that we had before the world existed. Listen, for you and I, oh, don't miss this, for you and I, Jesus had been called a blasphemer. Now, he is requesting that God would glorify him. For you and I, he had been, Jesus had been ridiculed. Now, he requests to be glorified. For you and I, he had been rejected. Now, he requests to be glorified. For you and I, Jesus had been spat upon. And now, he requests to be glorified. For you and I, Jesus willingly went to the cross, and now he says, oh, may you glorify me. With that presence, bring us back together. 
that we had before the world ever existed. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 through 14, we see God answer that request. Follow along with me. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. It'll be on the screen. Listen, listen to this. Then I looked, I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and also living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands and thousands. They said with a loud voice, listen, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered. Worthy is the lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Here we see God answering the request of Jesus. Look at verse 13. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ. And to the Lamb, Jesus Christ, forever and ever. Oh, we see God's faithfulness to this request in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 says. For this reason, God highly exalted him, Jesus, and gave him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, listen, may our love for Christ deepen. May our awe and reverence for him increase. May our faith in his plan for you, for us, be more resilient. Charles Wesley wrote this hymn that I believe captures this marvelous truth. This is a glorious hymn. Listen to what the hymn says. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace. He emptied himself all but love and bled for Adam's race. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? Let me ask you, have you bowed your knee to Have you given your life The one true God. The day is coming, if you haven't yet, the day is coming when you will. And if you wait till that day, it'll be too late. You'll still bow your knee. You'll still call him Lord. But he will say these words Depart from me, for I never knew. Listen, if you've never bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, do it today. He is. He is worthy. He is worthy of our surrender. Oh, he's more than worthy of our life. I want you to see. You also can be a trophy of God's grace. You can say, man, I, I don't feel like I can be a trophy. Guess what? You, you can't on your own. It's exactly what Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. We can't do it on our own. It's by grace through faith that we believe. It's not, not anything that, that we have done or, or we would be boastful. We would be going around saying, hey, look at me, a trophy of God's 
grace because of X, Y, and Z. No, 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 listen. It's not because of what you have done. It's only by what Jesus Christ has done. So listen, it doesn't, you might not feel like you're a trophy of God's grace, but listen, you can be. Surrender your life to him. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.